Brilliant. Thanks, guys. That's on, Dan. Yep, I can hear something coming through the back there. Great to be blessed by uh, people with um, gifts and talents that can uh, sing, and they can uh, sing very well, actually, too. So uh, thank you. We thank the Lord for all those gifts he's given to us here at Exchange. I'm just going to uh, open up that passage of Scripture that um, Jess read for us before as we think about Christmas today. And um, first of all, we, we do live in a bit of an interesting world, a world that changes rapidly. Now, some of you here may be able to remember the 1960s. Anybody want to put their hand up and say, yeah, I can remember the... Ni- I was bo- There's a few hands going up there. You can roll those images up, Kath, if you like. Now, the 1960s was a very transitional era for the world. And um, it was probably about 15 or 20 years after the Second World War had finished. And the modern era was in full swing with technology, transportation and communication rapidly advancing. One of the big things to come out of the 1960s out of this time was the peace revolution. The peace revolution. Uh, A new generation was crying out... Are you looking for yourself there, are you, Rob, or something like that? No, okay, good, good. A new generation was crying out for peace. Uh, Military might and ethnic suppression were going crazy everywhere. Vietnam War was on during the 1960s. And people were looking for peace. They were just trying to gravitate to anything that may provide peace. Unfortunately, though, the the spin-offs from that were uh, uh, drug use and loose sexual morals at that time. And uh, many people thought maybe that could be the answer to peace, but uh, no doubt it failed. Still, still the heart cry was for peace. We just want peace. And I don't think we're any different today as we live in this world. We see lots of turmoil and challenge and change around about us. We still want peace. Well, this is exactly what Christmas delivers in Jesus Christ. As Jess read for us before there from that uh, book of Isaiah, uh, some great pictures there of what Isaiah was uh, telling us. Now, you may be wondering here, what is this book? You know, this is the book that um, uh, Jess read from before. And you might be asking yourself, if you're new here today, who is this person, Isaiah? What is his name? What's significant about his name? You may have thought this book, the Bible, uh, is an old ancient writing that has nothing to do with us here today in society in 2019. Like, how could it possibly be relevant to us today, like 2,700 years later, after this, book was, after this particular book by Isaiah was written? Well, the Bible has proved to be a timeless treasure to countless billions of people who've discovered great things in the Bible. Down through the ages, people and governments have tried to ban it, they've tried to burn it, they've tried to remove it from society. But in 2019, it is still the most read book and the most printed book in the world. It it outsells every book in the world each year. Millions of people come to this book every day and discover the most amazing being that there is. They discover God. They discover truth. They actually discover a peace that surpasses understanding. The Bible tells me who God is. It tells me who I am and how I got here. It tells me what's wrong with me and what's wrong with the world that I live in. And the Bible tells me what God has done to make the world right again. And the Bible tells me how I can have a relationship with this eternal being called God. And here at Exchange, we love to come around the Bible to see the truth that comes out of it that changes us. So the thought we want to pick up on here today, in case you haven't really already worked it out as we celebrate Christmas, is peace. Peace. We want to see what God has done to bring us peace after we have walked away from him 
our creator. And that's exactly what this passage here in Isaiah 9 is going to show us. Firstly, we need to set the scene here because it's a world without peace that Isaiah is writing into and it's really no different to us today. Israel, he was writing into the the nation of Israel and uh, Israel is a special nation of people that have a unique relationship with God. And this relationship goes back thousands of years in time. Uh, They were in slavery and under cruel bondage uh, before a cruel dictator in the land of Egypt and then God came and rescued and saved the Israelites and brought them to the promised land, the land that God had promised them. And there they settled in that land. And here they lived under God's good and gracious rule. Happy, as that video showed us before. Happy in that sense. They were God's people. They were in God's land and they were living happily under God's rule. However, this came to an end very quickly. The people of Israel rejected God's good and right rule over their lives and they decided to go their own way. We'll do our own thing, thank you very much. God withdrew his hand of blessing from the nation of Israel at that time and he allowed neighbouring countries, as it were, to come and to invade them as evidence of his right discipline and judgment towards them for rejecting God at this time. And this is where we find uh, Israel in this passage. Uh, They've rejected God and they're now living in the consequences of that. As um, Jess read earlier, they're living in despair and darkness and gloom and they have no peace at this particular time here in the land of Israel. And here's their response to Isaiah at this particular time. You'll see it in verse 19. We'll throw that up there for you as well. Instead of turning to God for reconciliation, they turn to mediums and spiritists and they turn to tarot card readers for advice. We will get that up there shortly. Uh, They were turning to the, the dead to try and find out what was happening about why things were going so bad for them. Here's the result then next when they didn't turn to God and they chose to turn to other things in verses 21 and verse 22. And it says this, They will pass through the land, greatly distressed and hungry, and when they are hungry they will be enraged, and they will speak contemptuously against their king and their God and turn their faces upward. And they will look to the earth, but behold, distress and darkness, the gloom of anguish, and they will be thrust back into thick darkness. This is where Israel was as they rejected God. We could sum that up by saying distress, darkness and gloom of anguish was where they were. It's a very despairing picture if you think about where Israel was at this time. A nation was beginning to invade them because they'd walked away from God. It doesn't really sound peaceful at all as we think about what's happening here in the land of Israel. In many respects, we are no different today to the people of Israel back then. We are very similar. We also live in a world that groans and sighs under darkness and gloom. We feel this despair and lack of peace ourselves in many and various ways as we live life today in 2019. We see it this way. Sometimes we have relationship breakdown in our lives and the shadows of darkness bring in distress and pain when relationships break down in marriages where two people who once loved each other now become bitter enemies. They become hostile towards each other. It may just start off with a few cheap shots, with a few words thrown across the kitchen table, but very quickly it becomes bitter, it becomes angry, and unfortunately sometimes violence even ends up from this relationship breakdown. One horrible statistic that I read earlier this week from 2014 for the National Homicide 
reporting scheme said on average one woman dies every week through domestic violence. It's terrible. Peace gives way to darkness, gloom and despair. People also, in other ways, can be suffering under financial strain from failed business or farming enterprises and we see their mental health uh, collapse in that particular time when that strain and that pressure goes up. We live in a world today that's currently seeing very large crises of mental health in the world we are. We see it in the sporting um, career people, sporting men and women who are trying to build a life successfully out of the world of sport. We've seen more and more of them crashing out over these last few years as they, as they succumb to the pressure that it is to try and succeed here in that way. Peace gives way to darkness, gloom and despair. Also, we see the alarming rates of children these days are being totally messed up from broken and failed marriages who are trying to exist in the land of confusion. This, this weekend they're with Dad and next weekend they're with Mum. Very, very challenging for them. And sometimes the kids, and if it's a really terrible situation, sometimes the kids are lost in the middle and they're used by their parents like pawns in a game of chess as they try and outmaneuver each other to try and get at each other sometimes. And these kids are lost in the middle here. What is it? It's peace giving way to darkness, gloom and despair in this world that we live in. Maybe that's you today. Maybe you're thinking, I can find myself in one of those examples, or maybe you're just feeling it in other ways. Again, we are so glad that you're here at Exchange. Maybe your first time. We pray that you'll actually see the truth we can show you through Jesus Christ here as we think about it today. Now, in this world, we can both be the victim and the offender of this darkness, gloom, and despair. We can be the victims when we are uh, unwilling recipients of this terrible behaviour that's inflicted upon us. Someone may overpower us or take advantage of us and inflict these terrible, nasty things upon us. And we are powerless to stop it. We're a victim. And we may carry that hurt and pain for many, many, many years afterwards. We can be a victim of these things. Also, we can be an offender. We can be a perpetrator. We can be somebody who carries out these hurtful actions just to satisfy our own selfish desires upon other people. We can be the offenders in this darkness gloom and despair. And when that takes place, when that's happening around about us in our own lives, in all of those situations, peace is shot down. We experience levels of darkness, gloom and despair in our lives. And even when Christmas comes along, the season to be joy and merry and happy sometimes can be the hardest season for people to go through as they face this gloom and despair and this darkness. Where does all this brokenness stem from? Where does all this associated pain in our lives come from? Well, we are no different to the Israelites 3,000 years ago. Just like we saw in in chapter 8, 21, they turned their backs on God, so have we. We too have rejected the God who created us and gives us life. We all want to live in God's blessing. We all want to live in God's land. We all want to receive the blessings of food and good health and families. But deep down... We don't want to worship this sovereign, loving God who gives us all these things. We don't want to listen to his word and delightfully receive it and obey it in our lives. We choose to live life our own way and do our own thing. We actually all want to to become our own little God, as it were, and rule my life how I like to live my life. So therefore, we too, just like the Israelites, are suffering various degrees here of darkness, gloom, 
and despair because we've rejected the God who's made us. And because we've done that, we have no lasting peace that we are desperately longing for in this world. We find ourselves in quite a mess, don't we, when we look at it like that. Maybe you haven't experienced that mess yet. Just live life a bit longer and the mess will eventually find you. Don't worry about that. It's a mess we don't have answers for or long-lasting answers for. Praise God, the passage doesn't end there in gloom and despair. When we think about what Isaiah is writing to the Israelites 2,700 years ago. You'll see there in the verse 1 of uh, chapter 9, it's like God brings this peace. There's these opening words here and it says this, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. There will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. It's a bit like that first torchlight you see if you've been trapped in a tunnel somewhere and you've got no way out and you see that torchlight breaking through the darkness. There's something coming. There's light at the end of the tunnel. And that's what it is here, that Isaiah is about to speak hope into the people of Israel and it's exactly the same for us today. Look, Let's look at this hope here that Isaiah speaks about in the midst of gloom and darkness for this land. Look in verse 2 there, he says this, The people have seen a great light. In the middle of darkness, as it were, light is breaking in. Where there's been pain and despair upon them and living in that, now light is dawning upon them and it's beginning to open up and they can see what is happening now. Look in verse 3. The people of darkness are now experiencing joy. Where there was darkness, gloom and despair, now joy is breaking in, Isaiah says. He says it's like an overflowing joy, like the abundance of a harvest. We haven't seen too much abundance around Australia this year in harvest, but other years we have. And there's just such great joy when an abundant harvest is coming in. And Isaiah says this joy out of this hope is like an abundant harvest coming in. Look in verse 4, what Isaiah says again. He says there, where burdens and the yokes of life are broken. The people have been trapped in these vicious cycles of pain and despair and difficulty and gloominess. He says they've been set free. These chains have been broken. This hope has come. This hope is going to liberate. Can you see what Isaiah is doing here as he speaks like this in the midst of all this gloom? What's he doing? He's holding out hope. He's holding out hope. What is this hope that Isaiah holds out for us in the midst of all their challenges? Maybe today your hope could be, if I can just get a job promotion, that I'll get a raise and I'll get some more money, that'll bring me hope because I can pay those bills off maybe. Or if I can just get a new relationship, if I can just meet Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright, that will make life complete for me. Thinking if I just get that right relationship, that will bring me hope. What is this hope that Isaiah is holding out for the people of Israel? Come with me to verse 6 and see what it says there. It says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. This is the hope that Isaiah is holding out. It's a child. It's a son. This is the hope. Now you might sit there, or the Israelites might sit there and say, a child? You sure you got this right, Isaiah? 
A child's going to be the hope. I'm not thinking this is going to work out the way you think it is, Isaiah. How is this child going to be the hope to lift us out of this darkness, despair and this gloom? Just go check your facts and figures, Isaiah. I think you may have this wrong. Let's see what we see about this child, though, in verse 6 as we follow it through. It says there, the government shall be upon his shoulder. This child's going to be a ruler. This child's going to rule. It says also, he's called Wonderful Counselor. This child is filled with wisdom, wisdom beyond description. This child is Mighty God. This child is the Living God. This child's called the Everlasting Father. It's a fatherly figure. And then he's also called the Prince of Peace. This child is the Prince of Peace. This is no ordinary child that Isaiah is talking about. There's something very unique and something very special here about this child. Something totally unheard of before. Who is this child and who is this son who will bring this hope? You see, Isaiah here is making a prophecy of what God is going to do. It's something God is planning to do into the future. And we actually see the fulfillment of this prophecy 700 years later. That's a long time to wait for this hope. But it did happen. Come with me to Matthew chapter 4. What we see is Matthew's account of the life of Jesus Christ. We call Matthew the Gospel of Matthew. And it's here a story of Jesus. And he says this in Matthew chapter 4. Now when he, we're talking about Jesus, heard that John had been arrested, he withdrew into Galilee. And leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum by the sea in the territory of Zebulun and Naphtali. So that what was spoken by the prophet, Isaiah, so we're talking about, isn't it? By the prophet Isaiah, might be fulfilled. The land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the Gentiles, the people dwelling in darkness have seen a great light. And for those dwelling in the region and shadow of death, on them a light has dawned. Here's the picture of this fulfillment of the prophecy that God gave to Isaiah 700 years earlier. This child and this son is none other than Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Galilee. This is God's plan. This is God's rescue to restore Israel from its rebellion and the consequences of the pain and suffering that they are going through. Jesus, the Son of God, the eternal Son of God, has become a human being to save and to rescue us and to bring us back to God. This is an astounding miracle that we focus on at this time of the year. We focus upon the advent or the coming of Christ. That is God clothing himself in humanity. The God who's made us and gives us breath now becomes one of us. He becomes a child. He becomes a son. He becomes a baby. It's an astounding miracle that we think of today. God as a child. He was destined to be a king. He would rule, and his rule would be one of loving righteousness, of justice and of truth. His rule would be one of peace. Let's go back to Isaiah 9 to see that again. Verse 7, of the increase of his government, the rulership, 
and of peace, it says there will be no end. There's no limit to the peace that God brings. And on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Not for one year, not for ten years, not for a century, for an eternity. God's peace will come and reign forever and forever and forever. A peace that knows no end. Jesus ultimately brings this peace by creating peace, firstly, with God on our behalf. That's the only way we can experience this peace ourselves. Our rejection of God broke the peace we had between ourselves and God, and we did earn God's justice. Jesus came as the peace child, as it were, to take that justice upon himself at the cross, dying in our place. And then reconciling us, bringing us back to God in a peace relationship that we can now enjoy with him. This child, this son, this Jesus, he becomes our peace. This is what we look at when we see the nativity scene. If you drive around, I've seen some great ones around Shepparton and Marubna lately. When you see the nativity scene, this is what he's explaining here. This is the coming of the peace child, born in Bethlehem in that manger 2,000 years ago. That is God's hope for us. When we have turned away from him, he sends this hope. And Jesus now calls us to receive this hope by trusting in him what he's done for us at the cross, believing in who he is and what he has achieved for us. And here's what we experience if we do that. If we put our hope in God, if we put our trust in here's what we experience. We experience God's peace. We experience a peace that comes from God that truly does surpass all understanding. It's a peace that defies logic at times. It's a peace that defies our circumstances. Firstly, this peace comes because I'm in a right relationship with God. The God who gives me breath, the God who gives me life. He's my heavenly father and I relate to him in absolute peace. I know who he is. The Holy Spirit of God fills my heart now with his love and his peace and this flows through my entire being and every aspect of my life with contentment because I'm one with God through Jesus Christ. And my heart wants to respond to this God, this glorious God who's come to me in peace through his son now with love and thanks and adoration for what he's done for me. That firstly happens. Secondly then, this peace that I receive from Jesus does work into every area of my life, every circumstance of my life, every possible thing that I will go through. And yes, I still live in this world, And I still experience all the pain and the challenges that come with this world. But with one significant difference. I have a total different perspective on life now because of the peace that God has placed in my heart. I'm no longer on my own when I go through those challenging times. I don't travel the journey by myself. I travel up now with God who lives within me. So when things come, And they will. When things come and they threaten to blow my peace apart, the explosion may still go off and there may be a ripple effect in my life and I'll feel some difficulty, but I'm able to steady myself upon that rock called Jesus Christ. And that peace surpasses the understanding of my life at that time. I can't understand why I'm able to feel peaceful in that situation, but it's God who gives me that peace. This has been 
the testimony of countless millions of believers down through the ages. They have seen the loss of loved ones. Uh, there's a song, there's a hymn called, It Is Well With My Soul. Horatio Spafford wrote that song many hundreds of years ago. He lost his wife and three daughters on a steamer just coming into New York. Talk about horrific circumstances. He wrote in that song, It Is Well With My Soul. God gave him a peace that transcended all circumstances or all logic at that time where somebody should have just fallen apart totally. God brought peace into his life in that tragic set of circumstances. Let me finish here with these last words, this last thought here. In the last words of verse 7, it says this, The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this, which is really striking and significant here as we think about what is happening in God's word. God's plan of sending his son Jesus to become a human being, to become a child, to become a son, God's plan here isn't done through gritted teeth. I don't really want to do this. That's not what's happening here. Jesus hasn't come reluctantly. They haven't gone paper, scissors, rock, and, oh, Jesus, you missed out, you've got to go. Jesus hasn't drawn the short straw out of the pile. It hasn't happened like that. It's with passion. It's with energy. It's with great desire that God carries out his plan. It's with excitement. It's with enthusiasm. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It's not a secondary thought. It's driving him. And this reveals to me this peace that God offers is a gift from him. We don't do something to earn it. It's something he wants to do for us. It's something he wants to work into our life. So as I put my trust in him, as I believe what he's done and what he's done for me, and as I believe in the resurrection that Jesus rose again for my forgiveness, that I receive this gift of peace. Assured, I can tell you, you will receive that as you put your trust in God and put your trust in what Christ has done. You will receive that gift of peace right now. This is Christmas. This is the coming of Christ. This is the glorious miracle that God has done for us to bring us peace and reconciliation with himself. This is what we celebrate today. It's the coming of Jesus Christ, the Prince of peace. You're going to get perhaps a lot of gifts this year, but nothing will compare with this gift. Will you receive that gift this year? Will you believe who Jesus is and what he's done? And will you receive the peace that he offers? Let me pray. Father, I give you thanks and I give you praise that we can gather together this morning to celebrate Christmas, to celebrate Christ. Lord, as we look at this passage here in Isaiah, we might think that's a funny passage to come from, Lord, but it's all about the coming of Jesus Christ. It's all about a son has been born, a child is coming. And today, Lord, we thank you that you have sent your son who is the Prince of Peace, who brings this peace to our hearts and our lives today. And Lord, I pray, please, please do miracles now in the hearts and minds of people who may never have heard this before. God, I pray, please, Open up their eyes. Please open up their ears that they would believe the message of Jesus Christ and receive this gift of peace today in forgiveness in and through him. Lord, I ask that and I pray that now in Jesus' name.
Amen.